Hey, church fam. You know, they say the hardest uh, places to preach is, you know, your home church. So uh, just be easy on me. <laughs> no, I, this is an honor and a privilege. And the last time I got to speak to y'all, who can remember what I talked about? Fake steak. steak. Some back there hollered steak too. That's right. Um, you know, and the, 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 the thought and the notion that um, the enemy would offer us a counterfeit of anything. Why do we find that surprising, right? We, we find it shocking every single time. And uh, I think that today is just going to be uh, another counterfeit that we get to reveal today and um and how the enemy is using that to cause division in our church and our in, in in the kingdom of god and so i'm really excited because the lord told me that this message um is going to speak to the hearts of some of you out here today and if it doesn't if it doesn't reach your heart it's gonna it's it's word for you to take to deliver to someone who needs it. Amen. So let's just open up in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father, that, that you have given us your Holy Spirit to guide, to advocate, to protect, to, to, to make sure that, that we walk out, Father, a life that is reflective of what you have called us to do, Father. And I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would just come in this place, and, 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 and Father, I yield my heart, I yield my thoughts, I yield what is on this paper to the Holy Spirit, and I give you full authority and full reign to do what only you can do today. Father, we love you. We thank you for this body. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to talk to you today about is um, building whole healthy communities. And um, what I know Holy Spirit told me, and that, you know, this is something he has kind of been showing me probably since the middle of last year. No surprise, the middle of last year was when people really started to feel the the drag of 2020, right? The the drag of um, being stuck in your house or being isolated or being kept away from people you really love and care about or losing people that you love and care about. And so when the Holy Spirit started really impressing this on my heart, I just started taking notes in my phone about what he was sharing with me. And and, and at that time, I didn't realize that there was going to be a chance for me to teach to all of you here tonight. So, you know, God's been preparing this for you for some time. But what Holy Spirit specifically told me is that there are people in this room or a part of this church or a part of this community who have been struggling with a deep sense of loneliness, a deep sense of feeling that they are unseen, unheard, and um, even when they are in the same room as people, feel as though that they get overlooked. And when I think about what that feels like, it takes me back to the last time I felt that. And the last time I felt that was right before Jesus stormed the room and took my heart captive. And so if, if there's anything that the Lord has shown me, and if there's a moment in time that I relive over and over again, it's the day that my Savior showed up. And so tonight I hope your Savior shows up. I hope tonight you feel seen. I hope you feel heard, known, loved, and worthy. We all have a need to feel unconditional love and acceptance. We're human beings. We were created this way. We were born into a world that um, even at the beginning of time, Adam was here with all the animals and with God. And it was just God and Adam and, and thousands of species of animals. And God still looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And when, when I revisit that scripture and I look at that moment in time, how could God look at Adam and say, you're alone? 
if God was there. So to me, that means that sometimes we think all we need is me and God. And what God revealed to Adam in that moment is that's not quite enough. God said it's not good for man to be alone. So he, he pulled some, something out of his side and created a help, a helpmate. And that's where Eve steps into the scene. And from that moment on, it was, you see time after time again, anyone who walked a road of isolation, they felt inadequate. They felt left out. They were going down a, a slippery slope, uh, an unpaved path. And anytime they felt connected to people again, they were restored. We all want love and acceptance. We want connection. And we want that now, right? We don't want to do the hard work to get there. We just want it. And the crazy thing is, while we all feel this way on the inside, the sad truth is that we're all kind of messy too. (laughs) None of us are perfect. None of us know how to fulfill everyone's needs. None of us are going to get it right 100% of the time. But when it's you who feels lonely, you think, well, you're just supposed to know what I need. You're just supposed to know how to take care of me. You're just supposed to know because I need it. But when the roles are reversed and someone's telling you, I need you, and you're supposed to know, you're like, I don't know what to do. We're human. We all experience this the same way. And it's important for us to be aware when that happens. We're born into an imperfect world with imperfect people. And from the, from the moment you're born, you have these, um, your DNA, your, the, the actions that you take, even as an infant, communicate something to your caretakers that you need something. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I need to be changed, I need to be held. And when you have a repeat um, request and it's met, you have a good outcome, right? But when you have a repeat request and that, meet, that need is not met, you have not a great outcome. And so for those of us who grew up always being cared for in, you know, beautiful homes, I'm jealous, you know, there's a whole lot of us who didn't grow up that way. There's a whole lot of us who didn't have both parents in the home, maybe neither parent in the home. There's a whole lot of us who had a lot of change and a lot of uh, trauma at too young of an age, too, too much of it, especially for one lifetime. And when we encounter experiences like that, they form and shape our thought life. They teach us to fight, flight, or freeze. And so someone who has had endless amounts of unmet expectations, they have been taught subconsciously that people are not the answer. People will always let you down. And now we're all supposed to go to church together. <laughs> now we're all supposed to go here, right? Now we're all supposed to show up and we're all, we're all supposed to know exactly how to take care of each other. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. And, and you know, sometimes we have this um, expectation just on people in general, but we can get specific. You can have that expectation on your parents, You can have that expectation on a friend you thought you'd have forever. You can have that expectation even on a spouse or a significant other. And the outcome isn't always what we expect it to be. 
And when you look at the word of God, God never tells us that people are going to meet all of our needs. The Bible never says that all you need to do is connect to people and all your needs will be met. The Bible actually says that we have to stay connected to the Father. And that apart from him, we can do nothing. When my expectation for unconditional love and acceptance is only set on earthly relationships, I am setting myself up for a road to destruction and disaster. And why is that? Because the majority of people, the vast majority of people on earth are led by their emotions. And our emotions are not constant, right? They change every day. They're conditional. If I'm in a good situation and things are going my way, my emotions will be positive. But if my circumstances change and things haven't been going my way for some time, my emotions reflect that as well. And so if I sign up for all of my expectations just to be on the people in my life, well, I am living a roller coaster of dependency. One day I have it, one day I don't. Turn that into months. A couple months I have it, a couple months I don't. Turn that into years. You're looking at a road to destruction when you place your expectation on fulfilling your heart on man. This is why the first and greatest commandment under the new covenant is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. When I began to get all this down on paper, after I was done, actually, I was stumbling through some books, and I found the very first journal that I started back when um, Jesus stormed the room and saved me. And in that journal, in the very first three pages, six out of the ten scriptures ended up being scriptures that are in this message today. God sees you. God knows you. He's seen every hurt. He's seen every disappointment. And he's ready to restore you. He's ready to give you back what the enemy has taken and then some. So I'm excited for, to continue on with this today. So Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. You read that and it's like, well, duh, love God, right? No, make that your priority. When we set boundaries in relationships, you can think of it as, you know how in, in, um, when in your science class they show you like a map of the earth and you've got the core and you've got other layers. I don't know the rest of the layers' names, but you know what I'm talking about. You've got these rings outside of it. Or you can think about the solar system and the sun's in the middle and all the planets around it on their orbits. The center of the universe is the sun, Okay, the center of the universe is Abba, is Jesus. He's always the center. He's always first, and he's the biggest. We are always to be plugged into him. The next ring that you can, you can establish is where your spouse or your best friend or your significant other can go. And that's it. That's all you get in your inner two rings. That's where your expectation, that's where your time, your, your, your affection, your priorities, that's where they go. The next ring is now your family, your friends, well, your, your, your children, your brothers and sisters, maybe cousins if you're that close. Beyond that, you get your friends. Beyond that, you get people maybe you work with, people you see at the grocery store. 
And the further and further you get out, the less time and attention those people get from you, right? On my most outer orbit is, you know, J-Lo. She's, I'm never going to spend time with her. So she's way out there. That's why she's still in orbit, though. So, you know, one day, one day I have room for her. When you're in complete surrender to God, this is what it means. I mean, love the Lord your God. That He is my supply. He is my source. When I get so in tuned with who God is, he will start revealing to me who belong in those other orbits. He shows me who my spouse is. He shows me who my friends should be. He shows me what job to take, what school to go to, what... It can be as simple as what road to go down when you're driving. He will tell you where to go. He will tell you where to step, where to turn, where to swerve. He will make sure that your path is always in direct correlation to what he has for you. But that only happens when he's your center. If I take God out of the center and I put him in the fifth orbit and I put Joel in the center, yikes. I do not want Joel making my schedule. I do not want Joel making sure my life goes great. Now, he would do a pretty good job because he loves me. He would do a pretty good job. But Joel doesn't know all. He doesn't see all. He doesn't, he doesn't see what's happening in the spirit that God can see. And so, okay, let, let's, maybe, maybe you don't have a spouse. Okay, take God out of the center, and I'm going to put my best friend there. Same scenario. Do you really want the author and finisher of your life to be your best friend? It sounds good at first, right? But when you really compare God versus, you know, name whoever, who is going to have more resources, more wisdom, more insight, and who already knows your future? God does. He knows all, he sees all, and he has the perfect plan for your life. This, by doing this, by placing God in the center, this is how you establish the foundation for an abundant life. Christianity, um, you know, at least for me growing up, when I think about having that Christian life, to me it said the peaceful life, the life that is not chaotic, the life that gives you joy and the life that is perfect. Ooh, I was doing really good until I hit perfect, huh? And that's where the enemy got me. See, he'll throw in a lot of truths, and then all he needs to throw in is just one lie to wreck the whole system. And so here I go walking about my life after I'm saved, and I think, I feel joy, I'm happy, and life is going to be perfect. And now my expectation is skewed. I'm now trying to attain a perfect life. That was never what God asked of me. And that's never what he planned for me. So in order to unlock the abundant life, God has to be your center. But, and, and that's the difference between salvation and lordship. That's the difference from walking out of church and saying, I'm saved, hallelujah, to walking out of church and saying, okay, Lord, use me. Here I am, send me. That's the difference. Salvation or lordship. Both will get you to heaven. But if you want the abundant life, 
you've got to step into lordship because he's the only one with the answers. He's the only one that can promote you faster than any man on this earth. He's the only one that will move mountains and open doors that no man can close. That's how you get the abundant life. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That was my my first point. Um, The second that I want to mention is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And again, these are scriptures we've heard, right? From the moment you've been saved, you've, you've heard this at least once. Love your neighbor as yourself. But when you really start thinking about me having to love my neighbor the way I would want to be loved, we have high expectations, right? Remember? Our expectations are pretty high. Do I really want to do that for my neighbor? Or do I just want them to do it for me? Am I really willing to go out of my way to be a part of their life, or do I just want them to do that for me? It's hard because we want it, but we're not willing to participate or partake in the exchange. And what's even worse is that we have an expectation that there should be an exchange. I'm only going to love you if you love me, right? We're emotional, we're circumstantial, and the moment you stop loving me, you can count me out of your life. That's not what Jesus said to do. That's not what he asked us to do. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And if I have a higher expectation on what I receive in my life, I should be willing to provide that to others, even if they don't give it back to me. But what if they hurt me? Maybe that's why I don't want to do it. What if I try that and they hurt me? What if they don't meet my expectations? What if I get taken advantage of? Even worse, what if I get rejected? What if they say they don't want my friendship? What if they call me a loser and talk about me behind my back to everyone in town? What if then? Love them anyway. We have to. That's the commandment, right? The only thing, the only bit of encouragement I can give you in that is remove the expectation that they're going to give it to you in return. Because when I remove the expectation, when I do receive it, it's a gift. I wasn't expecting it. Nowadays, we have gift registry, so you can kind of expect what you're going to get as a gift, right? You can kind of say, this is, you know, this is the stuff I want or I need, and people will purchase it, and we're good with it. I think that's great. But when we apply that same concept to the kingdom of God, our needs are going to go unmet because we've placed an expectation on someone simply because we think they're just like us. Again, we're not perfect. We're all different. In order to love my neighbor as myself, I have to be 100% tied to Abba, to Father God. Because when I encounter God in such a way that, that I can talk to him the way I talk to the person sitting next to me on a bus or the person who I, go, I work with, as easy as I can talk to these people or, or any of you in here right now, As easy as I can access you and talk to you and share with you and communicate, exchange communication with, you should be so glued to God that you can do the same. And when you do, he gives you the ability to love these people as yourself. 
He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the insight. And the crazy thing is you don't do it because you, you, you almost don't do it out of obligation anymore. You do it because you know the goodness of God so deep in your soul that you don't want a single soul on this earth to miss out on it. You have such an encounter with the presence of God that your heart has been transformed. You have been renewed and restored that every time you see a lost soul, you can't help but make sure they encounter him. That's how you love your neighbor as yourself. You'll never succeed at it unless you're plugged to the Father first. When you look back, I saw this Facebook post a couple of days ago. It said, if you, if you could look back at yourself at whatever age, ten year, maybe 10 years old or 10 years ago, or if you could look back at yourself in your early 20s, what would you say to yourself in three words? And I was like, oh, don't date him. (laughs) Oh, honey, there was a boy before you. I know you're shocked. Don't date him. No, that, that, that experience is, is what led me straight to the arms of Jesus. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But when we look back at our life, what would we tell ourselves? Love them more. Don't be afraid. God loves you. You got this. Come on, we have got to remember who we were prior to today. It can be a week ago, it can be a year ago, it can be five years ago. But when you take a look back at who you were before who you are today, there was less Jesus, there was less wisdom, there was less grace. There was less money. <laughs> there was just less, right? It's just when you subtract time, that's what happens. There's less back there. So what would you tell? So you've got to remember this. Whoever you were 10 years ago, there's another version of you walking around the streets today. And that person needs you to tell them the three words that you would tell yourself from when you were younger. That person needs you. We may not be able to go back to ourselves and say, heed my warning, but there are people in this church who need to know what you needed to know five years ago, 10 years ago. They're already here. You don't even have to go find them. They're already here. On a Wednesday night, you can see us all divided up by age group too. So if you're, if you're in disciple walk, walk into the alive room or the move room and say, uh, one of y'all needs to hear this. And give them your three words. Come on, if you're in move, walk into the walk into uh, Bible boot camp and be like, well, y'all need to hear this. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And so we don't have to wonder and wish and if I could go back and tell myself, there's a version of yourself in this room today. They need what you have. Don't be afraid to share it. The next scripture I want to uh, show you guys is John 15:13, And this is really the scripture that kind of sat on my heart as I began to prepare tonight's uh, message. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And it's hard not to think about Jesus, right? When you, when you, when you think about all that he did for us. He died. He rose again. He stole the keys to hell. And he gave us his Holy Spirit. And when I started meditating on this scripture, I thought, Lord, you want me to just 
go be crucified for somebody? You want me to jump in front of a bullet for someone? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, when I really think about the odds of how many times I may be in a situation where I could A, be crucified, or B, jump in front of a bullet for someone, those opportunities are few and far in between, right? There's not many opportunities, unless you're in a specific profession, right? If you're in armed forces, stop, Terry. (laughs) Or where you live. Thank God we're not in Shreveport. Um, There's just not a lot of opportunity for me to go be crucified. So something in me said, this can't be literal. Maybe it is, but there's got to be more to it. Lord, what are you talking about when you're saying, lay my life down? Because there's no one going to crucify me. And like I said, I may not have a chance to jump in front of a bullet for someone. Like, I just may not have that opportunity in my lifetime. So you didn't give us this really important commandment just to be used possibly once in a lifetime. So what do you mean? And this is what he said. Lay down your agenda. Lay down your will. Lay down your feelings. Lay all that aside for your friends. That's how you can pursue this every single day. You don't have to wait for once in a lifetime. You don't have to wait for bullets and crosses and nails. Here's how you can lay your life down every day. Forget about your needs. And start looking out for the needs of your friends. What if we all did that? Do you think maybe we could close that gap of loneliness just a little bit? Do you think we would all have like this more sense of pride and humanity? If we all learned to serve a little bit better? So here's, here's what I, my response to that was. Okay, Lord. If I don't get to shield anyone from a bullet today, then I just serve. I'll just serve those around me. I'll look for opportunities. And Lord, I'm not perfect because I grew up an independent, take care of yourself kind of girl. So I'm pretty selfish. But I know you'll help me along the way. And you know, when I really got to thinking about it, some of the happiest people that I know are really good at serving. Who have this like, ridiculous, almost sickening amount of joy, like ginger. You're like, have you ever seen a rainy day? Have you ever had a bad day? And it's admirable because of course they have, but the joy of the Lord is their strength. Matthew chapter 20 Verse 26 through 28 says, the, I think I'm in the, the passion. I may have given them um, new living, but this is the passion. It says, the greatest one among you will live as one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the son of man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. If me laying down my feelings and my agenda and my will is going to lead to someone else's salvation, then we are doing exactly what God has asked us to do on this earth. We're multiplying the kingdom. We're saving souls. We're making sure that people don't live a life that's lost.
I have, when I really started trying to be more intentional about stopping focusing on myself and finding opportunities to focus on others, the Lord sent me some people, some new friends. This is um, back in 2014, 2015-ish. And it was, I, I called those, the, the four to five years in that stretch, it was kind of my last season of full-on selfishness. <laughs> and I can admit that. I've, uh, I was selfish. And he sent me some people who were so good at loving others. I have a friend named Sophie, and she and I worked together for four years. And she could, she could, she would cry about the smallest little thing. And it broke my heart to see her cry. I'm like, oh my God, no, she's, she's happy, Sophie. Why is she crying right now? And, and, and when I, when I, when I met her and when I started becoming friends with her, she was really good at loving me, even when I seemed tense, even when I seemed stressed out and and she would just come in and say, is there anything I can do to help? Can I do that for you? I, I'm like, don't you have your own projects to work on? She's like, yeah, but I just see you're having a really bad day. So I was just wondering, can I, can I take something off your plate? I would, at that point especially, I would have never thought to ask that question to the crazy person down the hall who is about to lose their mind. <laughs> and here she was showing up to serve in small ways. The night of her wedding, which was a couple of years ago, Joel and I had a hard time making it to the wedding. <laughs> she got married in Bayhead, New Jersey. We showed up in New York to make a vacation out of it, and we had to take a train from, well, we planned to rent a vehicle and drive from New York to New Jersey. And um, long story short, we had to take a train, and then we had to take a train back. And the train ride back was about three hours. And, you know, weddings don't wrap up until around midnight, so we were on a train <laughs> from... 12 to 3 a.m. in New York City. We saw Sophie earlier this year and her husband, and, and Joel and I swore we'd never tell him that story, but it came up anyway, and we told them, and she said, why didn't you just come stay in our room that night? <laughs> I said, Sophie, your wedding night? She said, oh, it would have been fine. A servant's heart. She didn't want me to get on a train at midnight and travel three hours into downtown New York City. Come on. Who thinks like that? Someone who has a heart for people. Someone who just wants to show up and serve. Someone who just wants you to feel loved and accepted. I'm glad that I had people like that. And, 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 you know, the sad thing is I think in that season I loved her so much and I watched how she loved me and I was trying to mimic that. And at first I was still in selfish mode, right? I'm thinking, oh, she just loves me. And then I noticed she loved everybody like that. And I'm like, oh, rude. <laughs> and then I realized, and, then, and God showed me, he said, no, that's how I want you to love people. You need an example. There it is. You get to work with her 40 hours a week. Pay attention. And beyond that, God just started bringing more and more people just like her. Because she eventually had to, she moved to Chicago. I was really, really sad. And I was angry with God. Why would you take her away from me? And I'll be vulnerable and I'll say, it's because I had put her in the center. And God said, 
I have to be your center. So I'm going to move her out of your immediate realm so that you can remember you need me in your center. The beautiful thing about that is that she's still one of my best friends today. And I get to see her several times a year. But even the greatest friendships in your life don't belong in the center. Even the sweetest, kindest, most Jesus-like people don't belong in your center. God has to stay there. By loving your neighbor as yourself, again, we're laying down our selfish ways. We're laying it all, we're, we're, we're laying it all aside. And we're picking up what would Jesus do? What would God do in this situation? How can I really apply what God has given me to the world around me? And by doing that, we unlock Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 38 in our lives. And you've heard this with um, tithes and offering message. Give and you will receive. This is um, New Living Translation. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back, that you get back. We think about this with our tithes and offerings, and, and it's true. It's just, it's just the concept of sowing and reaping. And so if you find yourself in a season of loneliness and you're wanting connection, you're wanting love and acceptance, sow love and acceptance. So the things that you're so hungry for in your life and watch God return them to you. After I began to sow what I had learned from Sophie, I got another friend by the name of Cagney. I got another friend by the name of Emily. I got another friend just one after the other because I was slowly picking up at what God had placed inside of me, what I was sending out and he was giving it right back. And the great thing about it, the great thing about allowing God to be your center and orchestrate all of this for you is that sometimes he brings people into your life that you would have never picked yourself. Sometimes he brings people into your life that don't look like the people you used to hang out with. He brings people who have nothing in common with the friends that you've had. And in those moments, I I want you to, to remember what you asked of him. And remember that he's a God who hears our prayer and he's a God who provides. And so even if it doesn't come in the package that you expect, receive it from God and just watch how your life begins to fill with love, to fill with joy, to fill with peace. And you get to walk out a life that's not lonely. The last point I want to make today just in case we were questioning this, just in case we thought we only had to love people we like, God says, love your enemies. Oof. Love your enemies too. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, but I say to you who hear. Come on, at this point we hear, right? God's our center, so we hear. We can't say, oh, God, I didn't know. I wasn't that close to you. He's like, no, by this point you've got me in your center, and now you hear. At this point, you've been practicing how to love your neighbor as yourself, so I know you here. At this point, you're receiving the return on your investment. At this point, you are actually reaping what you're sowing, so I know you here. 
But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. That's the Passion Translation. Do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. Well, that's one way to make me feel better about the situation. I'm like, ha ha, take that. Now you feel real bad for being ugly to me because I've been so nice to you. I don't think I'm supposed to take it that way, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> I, don't, I know I don't have to dive into why you should love your enemies because Jesus said so. I don't have to dive into the details of that. It's plain and simple. He talks about, I know they hate you. I know they, they, they want to kill you. I know that they, I know, he goes on and on. They did it to me is what he's saying. He knows, but he still says love them. Jesus came to establish a new covenant and he clearly lived a life and instructed us to be initiators of him on this earth. He gives us clear instruction to be like him. And he says that we're going to go forth and do greater works than he ever did. If we want to establish whole healthy communities, if we want to establish covenant relationships, we have to remember that whole healthy communities are established by what we bring to the table, not by what we take from it. Whole healthy communities Covenant relationships are established by what I bring to the table, not what I take from it. Not what I rob. Not what I try to slide under the table and hope no one saw. Whole healthy communities, when we all show up and we decide to be like Jesus, when we care about our neighbor, when we love the people who we do life with, when we show up when they need us, A life that's lived by taking is going to end up with no fruit. That's the selfish life. If you only take and take and take and you are not producing fruit, the word of God says that you will be cut off from the vine and thrown into a pile to be burned. Oof. The enemy wants you to believe that you are bound by the hand that you were dealt whether that was a life of poverty, of abuse, of addiction, of guilt, shame, trauma, chaos. The enemy wants you to believe that that's, that's your end result too. How you arrived is how you exit. And Jesus came to abolish that. We're not bound even to the mess that we've created. Yay! We're not even stuck with the chaos that we bring to the world. We can actually leave that behind too. We can actually be redeemed from that as well. We don't have to be a slave to generational curses. We don't have to treat people bad because my, my, my family treated me bad. Or my friends treated me bad. We don't have to repeat what has happened to us. We can allow God to redeem, restore, repair, and provide us with the life that he always destined us to have. The Holy Spirit gives us access to the Father 24-7, and by following the greatest commandments, we unlock endless possibilities to the abundant life. The last scripture I want to close with today is John 15:16. And it says, you didn't choose me, 
I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Anything I ask for in the name of Jesus shall be given when I follow those commandments. He says, you didn't even pick me. I picked you. I placed you with me. I, I put you on my vine so that you would produce fruit. You have a chance. Even if you've already been cut off, God's like, I'll put you back. I'll get you back. You want it, you, as long as you want to produce fruit, I'll give you anything you ask. You want that job? I'll open the door. You want that spouse? Here he or she is. You want to raise? Let me just show off and make sure my son or my daughter is, is, is walking out the riches. He wants you to have that. But the only way, you guys, the only way you access it, the only way you tap into it is if you're connected to him first. He provides the way. He writes your story. He will, and you know what? He loves surprising you. He loves shocking you. He loves doing the impossible. And so tonight I hope you walk away with the understanding that there's nothing that you can do to make God want you more. He already died for you. He already is sending out angels and and people like you and me to make sure that you stay with him. And so I hope all of you will join me on the journey of establishing whole healthy community right here at CCAM. Let's love each other better. Let's provide to the generation that's just down the hall from us. Let's sow into the lives of people right here in our church. And when we do, we'll start multiplying what's happening right here across the city, across the state, across the earth. We all deserve love and acceptance. And so I hope today, whether you are in a season of loneliness or you are just walking about life clueless that people are lonely, that you've been equipped with what you need to do to become more aware that God loves you, that he sees you, and he's called you to change this world. Amen?